You are now tuned into Welcome to the Raw Zone, sponsored by Talent Wave, where many of your favorite celebrities have hidden talent. Visit the site to find out more. Email talentwave.info at gmail.com to find out how you could become part of the team. What the fuck is up, everyone? It is Tuesday. This is Welcome to the Raw Zone from 10 p.m. to 12 a.m. on DTF Radio. And, of course, on our YouTube Live and Facebook Live, Raw Zone NYC. What the fuck is up, everyone? Who might you be person next to me? I'm nobody. But, yo, my name is Michael Bostic. What's good, everybody? I already know what the deal is. Oh, man, you just reminded me of that Law and, episode, Law and Order episode. I am nobody. Who are you? <laughs> Facts. <laughs> Oh man, but um, this, yo, this would have been dope if had I went live over here too, though. Um, but we're here today, so here we're doing a segment right now that we haven't done in in a little bit of a time, um, where we get a whole brand spanking new song. Brand spanking new. Brand from spanking one of new. from one of my favorite artists out right now, dope singer, dope person in general had a dope interview with her earlier in the year during quarantine but just such a dope person and a dope spirit and i'm just happy to just be able to play her joint her new joint so um just a little background info on it Scylla came to the tri-state top 10 which will be back in a couple of weeks so thank you for everyone that tap that taps in to corner radio um we just got a lot of shit going on a, a lot of things kind of just came our way and we just didn't fucking expect none of this shit but correct. um correct all good things and we're very blessed and we're very honored to like have this time right now um to have the opportunity to be able to continue creating content for you guys and for um just doing what we do you know everything's gonna be good as new not good as new but we're gonna have a good start to 2021 that's that i definitely think so i mean we're gonna have a good end of 2020 I mean, we definitely gonna have. I, listen, everybody's counting out 2020. I have not counted out 2020 yet. We still got a month and a half, and I know the blessings is gonna come through. So I'm not even worried about it. It's all good. But one of our blessings here, Scylla, Shout out to her. Um, shout out to Scylla. She came on the Tri-State Top Ten. She was talking about the song that she had recently created with Bryce Valley, uh, all the way from Cali, I believe. And if I got it wrong, I'm so sorry. Um, but they they put this song out after the confirmation of President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, and it brought a new wave of, like, music. Not, not a new wave of music to me, but the the song itself spoke out to me because it, it, it stuck to the universal theme we all talked about last week where once that happened, a lot of things changed. A lot of more people became... I don't want to say nicer, but love really opened up. Like, things seemed a little more lighter than it did. The racers just went back to their hole, pretty much. Because I don't think the love ever went anywhere. I just think a lot more hate got infused into what we our, our, our everyday living. And and we became more defensive towards that because we didn't have the, anything like that. Like, that was new for, like... Our generation of, of of us, like us, like we were going dealing with what our parents were dealing with in this four year time span. So I think now the, the now that the races don't have um, someone to lead them, 
forward, they went back to their hiding space and now everybody can just get back to what they were doing, which is love. So we're going to get into that new love, Bryce Valid featuring Scylla. Um, if you like it, drop a drop a fire in the comments or like hit us up and let us know. Or hit her up and let her know. Or Give follow her, her at the P H E E Lovely Trend. The Lovely Trend. The Lovely. Let her know that trend. the song was fire. If you think it's fire, it's one thing to tell us, but them 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 compliments to us artists, they go a long way. You know what I'm saying? So let her know. It's even more of a compliment when they copy us. Oh boy. But we're not gonna do that. So I'm gonna get into my homegirl's track though. Um, still an amazing song, uh, weekend vibes after that, and then we're going to get our guest David Hopper up on, on, and talk to, talk to, actually, it's a one-on-one interview. Yeah, Ooh. it's going to be a very interesting interview. Y'all stay tuned for that. Katie's letting the boys do the work today. Let's go. So, that was new what love. What the fuck was that? That was me trying to act like I, I got skills on the mic when I don't. Yo. Um, so we here though, welcome to the Raw Zone. Weekend vibes, weekend vibes. That's something we do here um before we introduce our guest. So um our guest here is very much a jack of all trades of his own. Absolutely. Um he is an author, uh once upon a time a hip hop artist, a poet, <laughs> a motivational uh, speaker. A motivational speaker, a media host, a content platform owner, um, photographer. Sometimes he wants to do videos too if he feels like it. Um, overall cool dude, David Hopper. David Hopper in the building. What's good, brother? Ain't none. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. We're going to get to our weekend vibes. How was your weekend and what are you happy about going into this week? Um, my weekend was great. Every day is great, actually. Um, I went to my daughter's gender reveal party. Okay. Celebration. Um, hung out with my son. Had a photo shoot. And uh, outside that, regular business. Regular business. What's up? Weekend. Weekend. What's up? What do you look forward to this going into the new week? Uh, new ventures, new journey, new challenges to overtake. That's what's up. That's what's up. Me? What did I do last week? It, it, yo, it was Daddy Weekend, so you already know it was me and Mikey. You know, I worked for a little bit, but it was it was me and Mikey the whole weekend. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't really nothing. Um, just, just quality time. I bought him a new, uh, he wanted a Jurassic World dinosaur, so I went out and got him one of those. He's been asking me that for a couple of weeks, so I went and got him that. And uh, that was it. We just really just spent some quality time together and everything, as we do every weekend. And, you know, other than that, but uh, as far as what I'm looking forward to this week, um, tomorrow I'll be recording uh, two podcasts. I'll be recording my own podcast, Thoughts of a Regular Man. It's just coming back. Thank God, finally, and I'm recording a uh, new podcast uh, with my girlfriend Janelle uh, tomorrow, uh, The Adventures of Mike and Nell. Uh, so, we, you know, it's going to be cool. It's, it's, it's a fun little vibe, and um, we're going to have a good time. You know what I'm saying? Um, my weekend, my weekend, my weekend. Well, I woke up and my computer wasn't working. 
I know, that was a drag. That the it wasn't just any computer. It was the, it was Bertha. And if we don't, if people don't know who Bertha is, we've mentioned her throughout the years, well, throughout the months, as the one computer that's able to withstand the amount of video work and yeah. and streams from COVID nineteen right. work. Right. So Bertha ended up somehow having a, a internal cracked screen without the screen actually being cracked. An internal cracked screen. It looks like it's internally cracked, but you don't see like the regular screen is cracked. Like you get what I'm it's saying? It's the inside of the screen. Yeah. So your LCD broke. That's what it's looking like. Yeah. So that means you I either sat it the wrong, you either banged it up against something, somebody sat on it, or it fell. That's the only way that can happen. I could fix it before a course. Listen, mom already took the laptop, tried to get it fixed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because she got to go take the other one that was in goddamn Japanese. Oh, she took the Japanese one. Not yet. I don't even know. Because le- we left like at 1 o'clock today, so I don't even know what the fuck happened. True, true, true. So, um, so that happened. Then I worked here at DTF all weekend, usual, regular, regular shit. Um, Aaliyah came over. Yeah. She came to DTF and then she hung out with me with my grand little. Nice. Yeah, regular shit. You know, we christened christened the new headquarters. Um, and then yesterday I did a baby shower. Um, with Coney Brooks. No, yesterday was Monday. I definitely did not do that because it definitely worked. Right. Um, that was Sunday you did that, that was Sunday Monday But it wasn't Coney Brooks baby shower She's not saying Coney Brooks No Coney Brooks did not have a fucking child I swear to God I. <laughs> She's not saying that No She did a baby shower that Coney Brooks was a part of But it was not his baby shower Not so yet Let's clear that up Let's just clear it up that it was not his baby shower the other day. Yeah, let's not um start <laughs> having people saying we're talking more shit. But besides the point. Oh, God. Um. But yeah, no, I'm looking forward to what this week will bring. Um, it's not this week we're going, but next week we're going to Jr. The um, album release. EP release. Album release. EP. I think it's an album. Okay, so album release. I'm sorry. So we're going to JR's album release, and then we're like, we're, we're networking more. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. Um, but I'm more looking forward to, for once, not fucking talking for like two hours straight. Sounds fucking amazing. Um, and I'm going to let the boys have fun today. And I'm just going to be the videographer and be KDK. And by the way, shameless plug, KDK Photography got a $125 uh, holiday sale right now. So if you got kids or you want to do a Christmas photo shoot because you're an artist that wants to put out a Christmas song before the COVID gets too late, right? You know, just head up KDK Photography, www.kdkphotography.com, and don't be a dub. So, gentlemen, I'm going to play the next song, uh-huh. um, which is another one for the ages from... Scorpio P and Ty Wiz, and then y'all gonna do your thing. Sounds good. All right, so we're back. We're back, everybody. Uh, welcome to the Raw Zone. Um, I got 
my guy David Hopper in here. And before we get all the way into this interview, I just want to say real quick that I think the conversation that we're about to have is very important. Both of us being uh, not knowing each other at all, and we met one time prior before where he did an interview for me, and um, we both found out that we were semi-recently incarcerated, me a little bit more closer than he was, but um, I think the conversation is important because a lot of people, when I tell people I've been locked up, they say, oh, what? how was it? Was it like Oz or was it like whatever, you know what I'm saying, whatever you see on TV? And I always tell people, yo, it could be, but everybody's prison experience is different because everybody doesn't handle prison the same, everybody doesn't see prison the same, everybody doesn't take prison the same. You know what I'm saying? So his story that he's about to tell you, along with we're going to get into the book that he just recently uh, put out, um, you, you, you'll get an understanding of one man's journey in and out of the prison system. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm sure to you that there'll be things that are very similar. Uh, I, even from reading the book, I was like, damn, this should bring back too many unpleasant memories. But there's going to be a lot of things that are different because, like I said, everybody's prison experiences are the same. So my guy, David Hopper, is in the building. Um, just before we get into anything, just let everybody know who you are, what it is that you do. I know Katie gave a, a quick little uh, synopsis, but I want everybody to know what you do and let everybody know, you know what I'm saying? No doubt. Appreciate you. Um, David Hopper, born and raised uh, Harlem, Sugar Hill. Um, I really don't like talking about myself. That's the crazy part. Uh, father, husband, entrepreneur, videographer, uh, prison reform advocate, reentry activist, um, motivational speaker, you know, um, and focus mainly, my main focus entrepreneur side is uh, video production, short films and things of that nature. Right. Outside of the the book. Right. So, so tell us a little bit about uh, Unstoppable Media. Um, Unstoppable Media is actually the brand that's uh, ran by me and my my brother, which is my partner in crime, uh, Rich Gant. We came up with Unstoppable Media because um, we used to be a rap group. So in rapping, our rap name was Unstoppable. Mm -hmm. So everything outside of that that we did, it was just Unstoppable, unstoppable. this, Unstoppable that. So when we got into the media, we basically got into the media in the, um, in the video game, in the, the visual part of it because we couldn't get nobody to, to help us with our vision. Right. So we basically just brought our own equipment and then start shooting ourselves. And um, that's how Be Unstoppable Media came about. So from us doing our own work, it was looking, you know, looking appealing to people. So right. people start reaching out and then that's how we start getting work. So from that it just branched off and actually um our first interview for Unstoppable Media was actually here in this room probably about five, six years ago. Okay. Um we had got invited 
because we was uh, a part of a battle league, Showtime Battle League, which me and uh, Showtime TV actually, well, it's Showtime's league, but he needed somebody to do the visuals and to help, you know, with the with the logistics. Uh-huh. So, you know, we met mutual people, introduced us, and um, from that, I signed on to help him with the visuals and the logistics. And part of my job was to get promotion and marketing and all that. So we started reaching out to people, and DTF was actually one of the first people to reach out and like come on, you know, and promote your promote your uh, your event. So right. from that, when we got here, me and my brother, we did the interview, and uh, after we left, literally, as soon as we walked out the door, we looked at each other, and he's like, "Yeah," I'm like, "Yeah, like, we gotta get a show." Right. <laughs> that quick, um, maybe right. like three months later, we uh we got the information, got the catalog and you know the rundown and um we started our own our own show which was uh Think Straight T V on radio because at that time we was Think Straight T V. So mm-hmm. you know, it just evolved. So that's really where everything started from. Okay. And that's maybe like six or seven months after I came home from prison. So yeah, about seven years ago. Nice, nice. Um, what made you besides um just um nobody really being able to see your vision and execute the vision the way you wanted it, what made you really just want to be in the video game in that aspect? Like Well, that's a funny story because actually my cousin my my circle is very small. My circle is my uni is extremely small. So at the time this was before I got, um, before I went to prison. I always had a camera. I always had a video camera, some kind of video camera, something, some kind of camera, something. So I always had footage of people, uh, be celebrities, hood celebrities, randoms. So I had a bag full of tapes back then. The, the video cameras, it wasn't digital. So it was, it was the little tapes. tapes. Yeah. So I had a, a literally, like a Macy's bag, a big plastic Macy's bag of tapes. And my cousin one day, he's like, yo, what you doing with all that footage? I said, shit, I ain't doing nothing with it. Like once I shoot it, I really wasn't doing nothing with it. Right. He like, yo, my man got a show on um, the public access channel, Mm -hmm. but he was keeping it, he like, yo, the show was whack. (laughs) Yo, I know you could do a show. Like I know you should put this, you should put the footage to use. So I'm so, I think about it. So he kept hounding me, hounding me, hounding me, hounding me. Every time I seen him, he like, yo, what's up? You get the show, get the show. So I said, all right, all right, all right. So I got the information, did the classes, got on the public access in Yonkers. And um, you go through the class and they show you how to edit and all that. Right. So I put the first show together, put the second show together. So now they airing. I think you had to do three shows or four shows before they aired it. Mm-hmm. So I did the four shows, whatever it was. By the time the fourth show came out, I was in the barbershop. And the dude, the, one of the barbers, like, yo, I know you. So I'm in Yonkers. I'm like, nah, you don't know me. Right. I'm, I'm from uh, I'm from Harlem. So he's like, nah, I know you. I know you. So another dude's like, yo, that's homie from the show. So I'm like. Wow. He's like, oh, yeah, you got the show ground up. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yo, that shit's so funny, yo. That's the dope. Ah. So I'm like, oh, all right, no doubt. So from that, I just caught a bug, like, and then from that, that one time, 
maybe like two or three other times people notice me people like yo what's up yo you do you know so that's really where it started from my cousin pushed me to do something with take that footage the tapes and right. make and make a show so from that from that point right there it was like all right this is something that we can do and i really like doing it. I, the camera was my thing my mom's very art, like an artist you know what i'm saying she draw paint freehand and all that my mom had a draw a life painted a life-size smurf on our wall with the mushroom and all that when right. I was younger you know what i'm saying so that was just like it was just you know part of my upbringing so when it got time to it, it was just like all right this is what we're going to do and this is the time when public access was really just rising right and you, i don't want to tell a story but the story is out there you know what i'm saying like when it comes to battle rap and that culture, uh -huh. I was definitely um, ahead of the curve. There's some people that's popular right now that, you know, that's the guy in the game. But, as um, far as battle rapping? Yeah, but um, I don't want to tell a story because I want I don't want to seem like you know. Right? No, no, no. I I, so I feel you. I the feel story you. will come out, but I um, feel yeah, you. you know, I, I was definitely you. the guy that these other guys was watching for a minute. You know what I'm saying? So. We had the um, we had the barbershop ciphers, uh -huh. home of the haze DVD. You know what I'm saying? Like it was right before I got locked up. So as soon as I got locked up, the wave came. But we right. was we was already we was on the it beach. Was already. We was on the beach already. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we was already on the beach. So you know, that's 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 another story. So what made that trend? What made you stop the music? What made that like? Oh, the prison. I ain't gonna hold you. Before I got locked up, one of the last songs we did. Um, the last couple of songs we did, it was tough. I always say we got some of the hottest songs you never heard, right? So um, I got, got locked up. We was in the mix. Me and probably two or three, one or two of my other close associates are the only ones with regular nine to fives right now. My whole circle, it was like nine of us. Literally, we was like Wu-Tang at the same time as Wu-Tang. Okay. But they was right before us because uh -huh. they was on already. Right. And out of that nine, rest in peace, Mugshot, um, rest in peace, Smokey. So seven, me and him, five. So five out of that nine are actually in the music industry in some capacity. That's what we did. You wow. know what I'm saying? So when I got locked up and I came home, I jumped right back in. And um, my first time back in the booth, my second time back in the booth, he put the beat on, you know, I, I wrote to it and I spit it and I came out and the look on people's faces was like and then one of your young boys that was in the in the studio, he like, oh, you on your jail, you on your prison aggression shit, right? Right, right. So I'm like, what? He like, yeah, that was some Melly Mel shit. So I'm like, so I look at my brother, he like, it's over, champ. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, that was it. And he's like, if my brother didn't rhyme, if he said he wasn't gonna rhyme because we was a group. Right. So I wasn't gonna do it by myself. Right. So, so he said, yo, it's over, it's over. Right. You know what I'm saying? So he like, it's over, champ. I was like, say less. <laughs> That's what's up. So let's get in let's get into your book. You came out with a book. I remember I remember when you were first promoting it. Uh was it earlier this year? Late last year? Early this year. Earlier this year. I remember I said, Oh my god, I got a book. Right, you know, right, you was talking about right before the pandemic. Right before, right, right. Cause I remember you was posting like the cover and everything. I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, he's, he's dropping the book. Mm -hmm. So, 
Uh, tell us about moments. Tell us, like, don't don't give it all away, but like, tell us what moments is about and what what it means to you. Um, moments, moments, writings, thoughts, and letters of a two-time felon. It's basically I laid it out for you. I laid it out for the people in the title. It's just the content is is so uh, diverse, if you will. So for me, moments is um, a release, almost like therapy. Uh, it's reliving the the sanity of the the prison sentence, but actually, but also not just the sanity, but the insanity rather, and then also the sanity, sanity. the peace after the storm. Absolutely, you know what I'm saying. So it's a look. Uh, it's a look at moments for me that was significant through the bid that actually got me through the bid and made me who I am today right. up until the moment where the book was actually published. So everything in that book. In that, that time frame. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's seven years. A couple of people got the book and um, inboxed me or spoke to me directly and was like, I thought it was going to be more, right? Not that they was disappointed, but it was like so appetizing right they wanted, they wanted like, more right they said yo I you know it's like damn I want more so you know I, I gotta explain to people or tell people that that's just one moment of my life right you know what I'm saying so right. I'm, I'm 40 something years old so this is this this is from 32 to 38 right you know what I'm saying and that in that six by nine cell so and it came about by uh, actually, it was an idea. Me, I'm more of a us person, right? So most of my most of my ideas I get, I'm like, oh, this would be dope for so and so or with so and so. So with the book, and most of the times I was telling somebody last night, he asked me about a, a short film I'm writing, but he said, how did you come up with it? So I told him, you no, know, I dreamt about it. So a lot of my stuff come to me in dreams. And when I'm taking a shower, literally, like I'm taking a shower and shit just pop up, right? That's your peace space. That's where you peace that. Yeah, That's where you everything know what I'm saying? Like, so it's, it's kind of weird. I understand but, that. Um, moments was, <clears throat> I thought, I said, oh, yo, we should be writing this, writing, take our letters. I forgot what happened, what actually prompted it, but I remember it started with the letters. So I called two of my friends that I was locked up with. I said, yo, we should make we should write a book with our letters to our kids and the letters we got and let right. people know like really the inside not what people are glorifying right and you know being from being in prison and coming home everybody don't want their story told no nah. everybody's not comfortable with telling their story absolutely you no know, everybody don't want to be that vulnerable so both of them pretty much was like Son, I'm not doing that. Like, that's a great idea for you. You know what I'm saying? But right. me, nah, I'm not doing that. So I'm like, damn. I'm like, all right. So, you know, I, 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 I threw it off. But they kept nagging at me, kept nagging at me. So I said, let me let me look into my own paperwork. Because I never looked at the paper. I was, it was just the idea. Right. So I said, let me go back and really look at what I have to to submit, to, to give to the people. And when I started looking, I'm like, damn. This enough to 
write myself. Right. To write the book myself. So that's what I did. I just took all the moments, you know, I started deciphering and breaking down and be like, okay, this is this makes sense for this and this makes sense. Just putting it together, putting the pieces together. And um moments, that's the that's the finished product. Yeah, it was dope. I'm, I actually got about halfway through it um, so far, but I know at one point I had read this one part, and it and it, it you said something that was very very important that I actually got while I was in prison, and then when you said it, it just brought me back to it. I was like, yo, that's exactly how I thought. And you said, um, It'll go away once you get used to being in. I was shocked. Not that it was stress, but she would think I would ever get used to being in prison. I never got used to being in prison. I adapted. I lost a part of myself to survive. That was important. That, what he said, was important because there's a lot of people that are in prison that I are, are just, they know it's not going to get no better for them. So right. they get stuck in a mentality. I've seen... I, I've been on both sides of the prison system. I used to be a CO, and I've been in prison. I did an 18-month period. I've seen the hardest killers <laughs> break down, broke down to, like, the smallest person they could ever be, where sexuality changes. Talking about people that will stick you for nothing, right. for nothing. So it's very important when you said that because... And I know, as I read further, there was points where you, you contemplated suicide and things like that. There were there was points where I thought I was gonna lose myself when I was in there. Even though my bid wasn't long by any stretch of the imagination, the fact that I was there and away from my son, who was only three at the time, away from my wife at the time, it, it was killing me, it was killing me. And I, I almost lost myself, but I said, I have a son to raise. Just like you said, you was like, I got kids to raise. I, how could I do this to my kids? And it was just, that touched me in a way because I was like, man, like, that, it takes a lot to express that just in words itself. Right. Um, what part of the book was, like, the most emotional part reliving? The most emotional part of the book? Wow. For you, like, when you were sitting um, down, you was just writing down notes or jotting down anything, what part... You had to like take a pause and just be like sit back and like damn. You know what's crazy? The way the book was like I said, the book was pretty much written. It was just put making it a book. Right. So when you read it for the readers and the people that that will read it, um it's a thread that that brings the book together. Mm-hmm. Right? It's like the afterthoughts, like mm-hmm. the hindsight. So when I was writing the hindsights, I'm looking at the paperwork and everything that I already have written. And I think for me, the part that was most emotionally emotional, I would have to definitely say was um, talking about my mom's mm-hmm. and uh, the, the time my son visited with my aunt. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to give the, 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 um, the whole book away, book. but the time that my son had came to visit with my aunt and um, talking about my mom's and coming to terms that you know HIV, um, she died from complication of HIV, and 
I ain't really have no idea what it was. I couldn't pronounce what she died from. Right. You know what I'm saying? It was crazy. So that it was like, damn. So going back to that, that that was like the most wow part where I had to like, all right, let me you know, let me go to another chapter. Yeah, <laughs> facts. <laughs> facts. I come back to that. Facts. I asked that because um I think all of us who got out have that moment where like even when I think about it to this day, um, I always sit back for I gotta sit back for like an hour and just like regroup. You know what I'm saying? And it was when my mom's came to visit me on my birthday, and I like I had no idea she was coming. She didn't tell me. I had literally spoken to her that morning, that Friday, and I, I it was just so fortunate. That's this is when I had my dress, so I had just. Have my shit just twisted up night just because it was my birthday. Right, right, you know what I'm right, saying? So right. I was like, yo, I'm, I ain't gonna sit here look crazy. I went, lined my beard up because I used to do the barber and everything. And um, I remember I was playing dominoes because that's how I got through my bed. My bed was mm. reading in dominoes. I, I literally sped my bed up. But um, I remember I was playing dominoes and I was so into the game, I didn't hear my name being called. So somebody came and said, yo, New York. They calling you for a visit. I'm like, nah, you bugging. <laughs> like, Not nah, me. it can't be. Can't, ain't nobody come to Mississippi for me. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So they's like, nah, you, you, you Michael Bostic, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, yo, they calling you in New York. You need to go check out who it is. So the first thing I'm thinking is my wife. And I was hyped because I was like, yo, like that's dope. That she cause she was already pissed. She was mad at me and all right, this. Right, right. We already I'm already six months into the bed already. She mad at me. She don't even talk to me on the phone. So I'm thinking, damn, she just surprised me. Get there and it's my mom's, yo. And I mean, just her being there was just important. She was very instrumental in me getting through the bed. You right. know what I'm saying? I talk to moms almost every day. Um, but just seeing her there, but just not in the, the, the greatest of spirits. That was, a, that was her second time visiting me. Um, because I was there and I know she hated seeing me there. And then like that weekend didn't go good at all because somebody threw something over the fence. So, you know, they had to shut the shut oh, everything man. down quick. Yeah, and yeah, it was just yeah. like, people, it was just, yo, when I, every time I'm with my mom, I'm with my mom's all the time. I always, that's the first thing I always think about. Yo, that lady came, flew to Mississippi on bad legs to come see her, her oldest son on his birthday. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? I always think about that, but that always takes me to pause. And I always got to, like, reflect on that because that, that was a very, very important moment. Like, yo, I'm here, and I don't need to be here. Right. You know what I'm saying? Um, You did, you did, Um, that was state time you did or fed time? Yeah, state time. That was state time. That's, our, our bids would be so different because I did fed time. Yeah, it's a fed time. But, um... What was the joint I saw? Um, I'm trying to think of what it I saw something. I'm trying to get to that. Oh, you got real. I, I, that was what it was. So you got real lucky with your sayings. I did. You got wild lucky. That was it's it was interesting. Luck. I'm gonna let you finish, but I, I'll explain that. Right. It was just I was just like, yo, like the cards just fell for him that day. 
for them to tell us he's going to get this much and then got less, that was crazy. But go ahead and say what you was going to say. Yeah, so that that whole situation, that was that was that was a blessing, you know what I'm saying? So that's actually one of the reasons that um through the bid, it kept me um it kept me level. Mm-hmm. If you will, like I was brought up in the church, of course I strayed away. You know what I'm saying? As, as I grew, as, as most of as, us do, you know. But um, I always had faith. You know what I'm saying? I always believed. I always believed in God. You know. Um, but to go from originally off at five years from twenty four hours, I think I got locked up on this Sunday. Uh, they arraigned me. I think they got arraigned you within 48 hours. 48 hours, right? yeah. So it was between Monday and Tuesday. They offered me five years. They didn't have no evidence, nothing. Like, they, they had just, what they had. Right. It was like, yo, it was nothing. Take this five years. Circumstantial. Right. Take this five years and, you know, get on your way. You know, can't do that. I'm like, I can't see that far. Right. Five years. <laughs> I just got off the street a day ago. You talking about five, <laughs> five? years? I'm like, that ain't never going to happen. Right. And then in my stupid mind, you know, as most of us, we're ignorant to law. Absolutely. So I'm thinking, you give me five, we watching Law and Order and all that shit. So you think, oh, they give me five, I could bring them down to three or some shit. Right. So you want to go fight it. Right. I'm like, nah, I ain't doing that. He said, all right. Fast forward. Then my next court date, I think it was like two weeks, whatever the case was. And they said, um, you face an eight and a third of 25. I damn near fell out. So I'm like, how? Y'all just offered me five years. Right. Like, yeah, that's arraignment. That's because n- no money would have been spent. Nothing would have just been. But now we're here. Right now. Now we money here. getting spent. You, you, so you know, now you got to hit something. Somebody got to pay for this shit. Yeah, you got to get hit. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get hit some way. Somebody got to pay for this. That's a right? fact. So long story short, I fought from the eight and a third of 25 was the offer. Mm-hmm. But, but was what I was facing, right? Um, so they come back to offer um, ten, eight. So we going back and forth. I fired the lawyer, all this yeah. stuff. And um, once I fired the lawyer, they come. The lawyer come back to me like, "Listen, you know, we gonna work on something, getting you something." Da, da, right. Da, da. The most we could get you, less we could get you down, we could get it down to eight because they were trying to say they were saying ten. Right. So like, we could get you down to eight. This your second felony. I'm like, fuck. Right. Mind you, now right. all this time I'm in the county, I see motherfuckers copping out to fifteen, twelves, going to trial, Football. blowing right. So I'm Football like, damn. Numbers. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, I right, fuck it. Give me the eight. Right. right, I take the eight. It's whatever. Right now, I'm, time is running, so I'm I'm a year and change in already. Well, close to a year. And right. I'm like, fuck it, just give me the eight. Now I'm learning stuff. I'm like, I right, I'm do eighty five percent now. You know. Correct. So, sentencing come. So I took the deal. Basically, I took the eight. I was taking the eight. Uh-huh. So the day of sentencing, the lawyer come. My lawyer wasn't there, and um. Well, my lawyer was there. The DA, the original DA wasn't there. Uh-huh. So he comes out. 
my lawyer comes out. He said, yo, I got good news. I said, okay, what is it? He said, uh, we got you seven. I said, seven? He's like, yeah. And then they tell me the other DA not there, whatever. This is what we finesse for you. I'm like, give me that. Right. Give me that. That's, that's uh, yeah, 12 months. Never, yeah, all facts. I'm, I'm on that. <laughs> so I go out, get sentenced. Mm. But they just, the only thing I really didn't like about that, they make you cooperate or whatever right, it is. Right, right. And they, they write a script. And you basically right, right, right. Say, you basically go on with it because yeah, they all in cahoots. Yeah, so you basically just say, yeah, 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 yeah. I did that. Yeah, uh-huh. I did that. Yeah, I did that. I'm like, that shit ain't happened. Right. You know what I'm saying? But right. I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. Whatever. This shit ain't gonna change nothing. Nothing. You know what I'm saying? Right. Three words. That that shit ain't gonna change nothing. Exactly. Except the sentence. If I say that ain't happened, so right. you know what? I take that. Yeah. And that's one of the things where now on the outside, that's really like part of my passion. To try to get the the youngins and the right. the dudes who's in these streets, the the women that's in the streets, like just give them something to understand or give them some feedback, give them some information. Like if you're gonna be out here running the streets, I ain't gonna tell you, I ain't gonna knock your hustle. I ain't right. the one to knock your hustle, right? Because nine times out of ten, they ain't gonna listen to you. No. But I will give you some insight. I'm gonna give you some game. Like listen, if you're doing this. Look it up and see what you're facing. Exactly. Have an idea of what's going on. Just don't be out here flying blind, you know. Correct. But yeah, so the, they um they offered me, they gave me seven, and uh, out of the seven, I did six years flat. So that was definitely a blessing. I love when people say, "Yo, you was lucky." I'm like, nah, I was blessed. Blessed. Like, I got, I, I believe in God heavily, and my mom is definitely watching over me. So I definitely was blessed, though, definitely, because even the seven. Remember I said they offered me five. Right. I remember the 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 day I was supposed to go home. If it's not the exact day, it was like the month that I was supposed to go home. If I would have took the five, five. years, I was in uh, Southport in the yard with my man, the one that I called to do the book with. Uh-huh. That's still my man to this day, Craig. Right. Um, I was spending the yard with him, and I'm telling him, I'm like, yo, son, I'm mad. I'm like, yo, man, I'm supposed to be fucking home. I could be home right no, that now. That shit fucked with you. Right? I'm like, I could be home right now. So we spending yard, spending yard. He like, yo, but if you were home, what would you do? Like, if you went home, if they call your number right now, what would you do? I said, man, I'm hitting the street. You know what it is. So he's like, I could dig it. He 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 affiliated. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So he's like, yeah, I, I, you know, that's what it is. He's he younger too. So, but he's sharp. Mm-hmm. So he ain't, he ain't judged me or nothing. He just let me speak and he said his piece. But later on, I thought about it six months later, seven months, whatever the case. And I said, yo, I wasn't ready to go home. Right. I'd have went home, I'd have went back, I'd have been, I got killed. It's, yo, it's crazy how much our stories parallel. Yo, I promise you, I was, I remember I was supposed to get out or was projected to get out in a, in February. And I was supposed to get out just in time for Valentine's Day. So I say maybe the 12th or 13th. The latest would have been my, I was like, yo, I'm gonna be home for my son's birthday. His is on the 16th. Yo, when that day came and gone, I was like, yo, I was supposed to leave. But just like you, I said, you know what? I ain't supposed to leave here yet. It's something that I needed to fix mm-hmm. in myself first, cause I wasn't, it wasn't my time. It's just, it's so crazy. And that from Southport, I went to, yeah, cause I, I think I had less than two years because when I left Southport, I went to Woodburn. That's where I came home from. So when I got to Woodburn, I had like 18 months left. So literally, 
And yeah, because four, two, four months, two years, 18 months. Yeah, that's about six years. And that's what I had to do. So when I left, but, and that actually prompted me to start really zoning in. Southport is where my, where my transition happened at. Right. That's where my mind you started changing. That's where my, my mind caught up to my body age wise, like maturity wise. Right. Like, yo, dickhead, like, what the fuck is you doing? What are you doing? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's when I really, that's when it's clicked. And I, I actually, I, um, I charged that to my man Craig. Word. He probably don't even know that. But I definitely charged it to him um, and a couple other dudes in that, in, in Southport. They definitely not checked me, but they was doing so much. Like being around them, you had to do something. Right. You know what I'm saying? I ain't shopping iron. So it was like, nah, I want to. Like, I ain't gonna be in this site for talking bullshit and these motherfuckers is talking about going home and they be in the law library six hours out the day and all this and that and they what I'm talking about. Right. I can't wait till I get home to do what? Exactly. <laughs> to do what when you get there. You know what I'm saying? So it was like, let me zone in. What 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 can I do? What should I be doing? You know, from that point on, from that point, I just made a conscious decision, like, I have to do something with my life. So like, and not for nothing, I keep it, that's one thing about me, I, I work hard to be authentic and organic as possible. Like, I'm not the toughest dude, right? But I just had a, a temper. It's like, they say, yeah. oh, this nigga not crazy, he just got bad temper. Wow. Like, that be true for a lot of right. dudes. You right, know right, what I'm saying? Right. Like, this nigga not crazy, he ain't no gangster, he just got just bad temper. Just mad as fuck. Right, you know what I'm saying? And that was true to some extent. I was like borderline. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I had sense. I'm not going to be on the street doing the nonsense if I had something else to do. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. So it's like, all right, what else is there for me to do? Because that's not me. I don't, I don't think it's cool to stay on the block all day. Right. Like, that ain't my thing. That's one of the things when I was locked up, too. Um, a lot of dudes from Harlem, it was like, you, you, in state, I don't know how it is in, in Fed, but in state, you got your Harlem tree in the yard, your Harlem area, your your Brooklyn right. area. Yeah, now it's, it's it's the same way in Fed, it's just with states though. So you got so, your New York car, you got your Atlanta car, and shit like the right. same thing. So the couple dudes I knew from Harlem that knew me, they knew they knew what time it, they knew they knew my type of vibe, but the other dudes that didn't know me. They like, yo, what's up with your man? They tell the dudes that know, like, yo, what's up with your man? Like, nigga, act like he ain't from Harlem. Yeah. But by then, my mentality was changed. I ain't, I don't want to be around y'all dudes. Y'all talking about fly helicopters and big benzes. Like, I did that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that ain't my thing. Right now, I'm trying to get home to my family and do what I need to do. So, they used to, like, they really ain't want me in their circle, and I ain't really want to be in their circle because right. it was two different. We from the same place, but it was two different mixes. You know what I'm saying? So my thing really was like I was more of a neutral type of guy. I was in I was up top on the neutral grounds. You right. know what I'm saying? So that's what's up. So you got uh uh you said in the beginning uh when you were introducing yourself, you said you had uh you were a re entry activist. Yes. So tell us about that. Tell us what you're doing with that. Um with that that's uh, maybe within the last six months, like once the book came out, uh -huh. like I said, what happened with that, that's another thing. I love meeting new people, mm -hmm. networking, because you never know 
one uh, introduction can change your life. And that's what happened with the reentry. Like, I always, like I said, I always been uh, savvy about prison reform just because of how they treated me, right? right I don't want right. nobody to go through that. You don't have right. to. Right. You know Absolutely. So, but I had a, I actually interviewed somebody for a docuseries I'm creating called Prison of Prosperity. And he had got locked up for a gun and uh, he beat the case because he was actually taking it to the buyback program. It was so, it was coincidentally that when he was coming down the, out the house with it, police was raiding the building and they took everybody oh. down and he had the hammer. He told him like, I'm literally on my way to the precinct. So when he went and got his lawyer and everything, he got acquitted and he beat it. And he was telling me, I'm like, yo, that's dope. And now what yeah. he do is, he was doing, um, his thing is called Neighborhood Benches, the gift and the curse, which is nonprofit organization. He does uh, reentry, um, activist, activism, um, prison reform, feed the community and all that. Uh -huh. So, you know, I start vibing with him and I'm like, yo, you know, this is, this is what I want to do. I love, you know, this. So right. I linked up with him and then now that's basically what I do. Now I'm more on at the ground level of it. So right. now I'm just getting on panels, talking to people. I'm doing the, the footwork now. So basically just giving people information, still learning information because when I speak about it, I want to speak correctly. I want to have the numbers and right. the percentages and right. all that, you know, who to speak to and how to speak to them and what to speak to them about. So right now I'm definitely at the, uh, the infant stage of it, but I'm, I'm building on it. So that's right. definitely something, you know, that that's dear to my heart right now and I'm, I'm working on it. That's what's up. It's, I think re-entry is, is very, very important especially for people who don't know, people who are listening who don't know, uh, re-entry is like when you're getting ready to get released and back into society. And I think, especially when you're like 18 months from your bed, a lot of time, I know in the, uh, in the uh, feds, they'll put you in what's called a camp, which is where I was at. Um, but um, they're not set up properly for re-entry. I knew dudes who did, I my, actually, my first my first celly um had never had never had an iphone mm. never never had an iphone before now even though there was cell phones flowing all through the camp he had never had an iphone so like maybe like three weeks before he was going he's like yo man should i get an iphone man or should i get a samsung and that's all we would talk about that for hours like because he knows i was good i'm good with phones and electronics right, and stuff right, so right. he would always just ask me like Yo, what features this have? What features you got? So, but I was like, nigga, you about to go home? Just go f yeah, figure it out, nigga. Right, like right, the fuck, right, right. like you know what I'm saying? Like, but like just for shit like that. Like he never, he told me he said, yo, I've never sent a real email. I've only sent an email from here. Right. I've never no, sent like I've never gone on I Gmail could, and sent an email. You know what I'm saying? But even though, because when I went, when I got locked up, I had a, a nine to five. I was working in the hospital as a uh -huh. clerk. And we were sending an email, but it was internal. Right. It was never like he never legit sent. So I never, I never knew how to having to do an attachment. Right. Um. It was something else. Um, because you send, you type something, you send an email, like a letter, mm -hmm. and it's 
it's not how you see it on the screen. When the person gets it, it's all it's, all it's everywhere. Up. Yeah. So they like yo send it in PDF. I'm like, what is that? Right, 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 right. Like, what is PDF? You know what I'm saying? So I had to learn. I had to go to a class. They had to learn me. I had to learn um, computer skills, like right. basic computer skills, mm -hmm. all over. Even though I worked in the hospital and I knew how to use their computer, their system. Right. But this is totally different. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So I do agree. And we talk about just to backtrack, talk about the reentry. They had something called phase four, which was the last phase to reentry re before you go home. Mm -hmm. And um, it was it was it was minimal at the most when they talk about uh, setting up people to go home with uh, skills, right? Right. So they basically put you in this class, and they give you these scenarios, and they say. Uh, if you go home and your friend, you lend your friend your car and he brings it back and then the police come to your house the next morning and said this car was involved in the shooting right. and they about to take you, what would you do? Just put you in like the most impossible situation. Yeah, like, why, first of all, I remember that. The guy's not my friend if he does that. Right, if he does that, right. right. He's not my friend. I'm not going back to prison, right? Facts. I don't know him. <laughs> I don't know this guy. Like, I don't know. I've never seen this dude before. Right, I don't know why the fucking car is here. Right. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So, they put you in things like that. And, and my, my nephew, you know. Right. So, then they, they tell you, uh, do an essay. Right. right. Bring something that you love and break it down to an essay. Just. Like, I'm... Eight weeks away from touching the street. I'm not trying is, to. Do, I'm not trying to do none of this. And this is what you're telling me that's gonna prepare me for the real world. Right. So no, they when it comes They're to the entry, they have no clue of what we need, and this is why. Right. Me and other um, organizations and and individuals are really doing these reentry, um, become reentry activists and advocates because we have to take care of one another and i tell everybody i had a um a talk with somebody we had a, like a, a little round table and um they asked me about do you believe everybody should everybody that's in prison should be there i said no i don't believe everybody should be there but there are some people that belong there right like let's keep it 100. It, there's some people that belong in prison right mm -hmm. now they might belong there forever right but some people need to belong there to get their shit right. You need to, whatever their case is, that's on them. But right. some people need some people are just not good for society at that moment in them in their life. So, but when it comes to reentry, we we have to have some kind of standard. That's what I believe. We need a standard when it comes to. Uh, Formerly incarcerated people coming home to the city, to the streets, to the mm. world, you know. So, absolutely. So, I appreciate you coming through tonight, man. Just chit chatting with me. You know, like I said, it's, it's very important to get stories out for people who's willing to tell, especially when it comes to prison, especially to these young kids because um, they wilding. <laughs> it's wilding. It's like wilding and understanding. Yo, it's like. I told I was talking to live, 
And I was like, yo, bro, we, we kind of the old heads now. We the big homies now. You know what I'm saying? Like, we kind of got to, like, look to these kids and kind of, like, stop saying, yo, this is what it was going to be. We got to start really talking to them. And I mean, not trying to pull them off the street because they're going to do what they're going to do. And like right. you said, I'm not going to knock nobody hustle. But let them know there's other ways, man. And and it's crazy because I was doing that even before I went to prison. I, I'm a big advocate for the youth. I love working with the youth and, and making sure that, you know what I'm saying, they straight away, right, right way. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because shit can go left for, you know, people in our community. But um, let everybody know. Oh, what's up, Katie? Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt all the good convo, but um, I, I wanted to shout out the listeners that are on. Okay. Um, so dinner at the round table tapped in. Um, shout out to Nelson and everyone. They'll be here next week. Um, the evening experience sent the hunt, you know, the hundred emoji. Uh huh. Um, to what you said right after about um learning the life lessons and the bid. Right. Um, and then Stephanie Cook, aka Rogue. Put you guys dropping keys. That's what's up. Appreciate That's what's it. up. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate it. But let everybody know where they can find you at, man. Um, you can follow me. My main uh, interaction or uh, interactive uh, wave right now is Instagram. I am David underscore Unstoppable. I am David underscore Unstoppable. And uh, Twitter is dhop522. KDK put me on. She said Twitter is the new is Twitter is the, the way. Twitter is the way. Twitter is the way. Definitely. So that's the, this is the person I get petty with. Do this you not look look at her tweets? Nah, I, no, but the for in my defense, we got people I have stalking not, us. I haven't no no, no no no. Sorry. People stalking me. You you always try to take credit for some shit. No, I get <laughs> I, I got my own stalkers. Me. Can I have my own stalkers? Uh, All right, kid. You can have your own stalkers. But um, no, I, t- Twitter, I think Twitter is a great place to um, get information anyway. Because I think it, it gets to Twitter before it hits anywhere. It's direct. Yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff it hits Twitter before it even hits mainstream media. Right. So I, it's, I, I think. once I spoke to Katie, like, okay, let me get on it. So yeah, I think, I think Twitter, Twitter is one of the more important uh, social medias out there. Um, because it's not what it was when it first came out by any because I've been on Twitter yeah, it since it came out. No, it actually wasn't. For me, but it, it was. wasn't. It wasn't what it is it now. Like right now right? It wasn't. It, it wasn't. And I think like, that's what it was at the time. I, it was like ah, this not right. It was. It was literally when it first came out. It was. It, I don't even think it was. I would call it social media back then. It was more. Just something um, the high school Yeah, yeah. It was just something that just it was new and, and nobody yeah, had ever yeah, done anything yeah. like that before. But when like mainstream started getting hip to it and you started getting like uh uh stars and and, and yeah, influencers like, and Twitter, things like it's that. The Twitterverse now. They right. got their own thing. Right, so. they got their own it's it's and it's literally separate branches of Twitter. It's so it's so interesting and so fun like yeah. you know what I'm saying? You'll learn a lot. You'll meet different people and and agree and fight all day long. Right. So yeah, that's my thing now. So I'm on at dhop522 on Twitter. I am David underscore unstoppable on Instagram. Those are my two main ways right now. So that's what I'm doing. You know, you want to reach out to me, um, just holler at me. I'm always open to network, get information, give information, swap information. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm here for. To get the book, the book is on Amazon. Um, Moments, writing thoughts and letters of a two-time felon, David Hopper. So that's it. It's a great book. Like I said, I read about half of it. 
and it, it's it's very great. It's a great story for anybody who just wants to learn. Yeah, and not only learn but understand. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not going to prison. It's not just going to prison. It's not just what you see on TV. It's you know a lot of that does happen, but they don't show you the emotional the part emotional about it. Part they don't show that. Yeah, and that's I'm glad you said that. That's yeah. I'm glad you said that. That's yeah. really what is missing when you look at TV. I, I tell people too, you know, on TV, the shows, I know we got to go with the TV shows, a commercial come on. You can right. go get your, you know, start so what you're go doing. Do, you know, go do something. When you there, it ain't no commercial. Correct. This shit real life all day, 24 seven. There's no commercial. So the book gives you some emotional parts of it. Right. Of what, you see on TV, right? And I can and I can vouch for that because, like I said, I've been there. So, I, just seeing what you've written, like like you said, people I, people don't they miss that emotional part on TV. You know what I'm saying? They miss the. I spent the first month and a half of my bed bed in the bed reading. Mm. I didn't do nothing, and that was I barely ate. I might have ate one meal a day. Right. I was not like I was not in a good place. So people they they don't show that. They don't glorify yeah, that. You know what I'm saying? Not. So thank you for coming through and just sharing your story with us, man. And thank you for having for everybody me. who wants to go get the book, I recommend it. Please go get it. Support. Uh learn something new. Yeah, please go get the book. Um so I'm probably you guys are wondering why you only saw me with a camera and one yes, I got really trigger happy and I wanted to record today. Um, but two, um, there's going to be more content with me and David. Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you might see like a little thing floating here and there, a picture of me and David with a camera. That's because we actually recorded our own separate interview um, for the Titan of Rap website. So shout out to S-Rock and the whole Rockview Entertainment movement. They're going to be airing like our first episode, our first interview together. So we will say... Um, based on the the book memoirs, the the moments, um, the the writings of a two time felon. So um, please go and support your local artists, authors, um, businesses. Right now we're all suffering. Like it's not just being a like not once again not to like discriminate, but all businesses are suffering right now. Mm -hmm. Like support your local business, go to your local bodega, buy like a yogurt or something. Like do something to help somebody else, especially so close to Thanksgiving. Um, just before we do go into our music break, no, David Bradley, you do not want stalkers. And the evening experience said, you're right. Trump told how he was gonna screw us on Twitter. You're right. Um, <laughs> yo, shout out to Dinner at the Roundtable on the check-in again. They are our guest co-hosts for next week. Um, Mikey, before we go into the music break, do you want to say who our guest is for next week? Oh wow! <laughs> yo, I, I got into a, I got into a little uh, like like blank moment. Oh, our guest next week, we're gonna have uh, a good friend of mine. We're gonna talk about our business. Um, Checkmate Sweets, where she does, makes all kinds of delicious edibles. So if you guys want to tune in and have a nice little edible connect. And we're going to try the shit, like, during oh, the music man. break and wow. see how we feel afterwards. 
Yeah. Oh, wow. We, we played dangerous games. I definitely got tuned in for that one. Yeah, we played dangerous games. No, the thing was, we did the same shit today. So that's the funny part. And we feel amazing. Shout out to um, Wilma, I'm just cold. Wil- that, Wilma Flintstone. Yeah, it's super me. cold. Like, this weather is not bipolar. Oh. Yo, facts. We need to get a chopped cheese. Um, I had one the other day. Oh, I hate you. Um, but before we get completely off topic, so yeah, we got we're gonna try the edibles. Um, we have actually a great friend of mine the other day coming in, um, doing the DJing. Mm-hmm. We got the whole cast of dinner at the round table. Holy shit, I'm screwed. If I thought sitting with you for a couple of hours is crazy, imagine sitting with. How is sitting with me for a couple of hours crazy? I I I don't understand that at all. Because we have our moments, you know. Ever since we started <laughs> doing this edibles thing, we we kind of, you I'm, know. I'm. I'm probably the best co-host you'll ever have. The best there is. The no, best don't there do was, that. Don't do that. The best there will ever will be. Oh my god. But on that note, uh, we're gonna get into talk to self from Jazz E and kick off the music break. Um, I want to dedicate today's music break though to um Chanel Coachell Scott, who uh was oh, my that girl. W- I got a story to tell y'all about her too, like. But we're gonna definitely um say that after the music. Right break. after the music break. You yeah, know, yeah. um, if people people that knew her, she was a independent uh, radio host. She had the show, the Daily Talk with Kucha. They used to air Monday to Friday on our former radio station WVMR. Um, she passed away from an aggressive brain tumor. And it is a wow. shock to many people, being yeah. such a young person, who um, was a production production assistant for Wendy Williams, and she has her credits go a lot a long way. But we're gonna get into our music break, um, and some of these artists are artists that she did deal with. Some of them would just reflect on her music taste. Some of them would just reflect on, you know the embodiment of the culture and something she really wanted to be a part of, like she wanted to help expand and grow. So um, without further ado, we're going to get into that music break. And we are back. That was AQ the God featuring the lovely and beautiful Janine Hailing from Jamaica, Queens. Um, So we're here. This is Welcome to the Raw Zone. We are in the home stretch of our show. We are in the last half hour. Michael, how are you feeling? I'm tired. I mean, that's always a fact. We're always fucking tired. Facts. But we are here, so we're going to finish the show up. You know, but we want to thank everyone that's been rocking in with us. The one true misfit who's been on both our Instagram and our YouTube, like being a true, uh, like a really dope supporter. New supporter, but super dope. Um, Shout out to... Dinner at the round table. Um, he go, David goes, I got to pull you up on the big screen. Ah, making us feel all fancy, all fancy. But uh, so normally our last hour or half hour, we like to talk a lot of fucking shit, right? Always. Um, always. So um, do we want to go into Zelina Vega first or do we want to go into Lil Wayne? It don't matter. So the the one the one the true queen repping queens, right? Zelina Vega, former manager to Andrade and Angel Garza, was released from WWE management and entertainment and whatever you want to call it, because 
of her violating the no third party uh, clause, I want to say, or rule yeah, that was created. Like a, yeah. Um. So basically, you can't have like Twitch or shit like that going on if you're under contract with WWE unless WWE is making money with it as well. But Delina, though, instead of, you know, maybe making a Twitch or let's say an extra on Facebook, you know, she made a goddamn OnlyFans. Um, Delina Vega was the first WWE performer to be fired for disobeying the company's new policy on supplemental income streams. Early Friday morning, WWE announced the release of Zelina Vega. Um, as recently as last month, Vega was considered one of WWE's rising stars. She wrestled Oscar for the Raw Women's Championship at Class of Champions in late September, losing the match but attacking the champ in the aftermath, finally receiving an opportunity to show her worth in ring as a wrestler after working primarily as a manager. Vega, 29-year-old sad Trinidad, had pr- pro- proven herself as one of WWE's most talented and versatile performers since the summer of 2017. Um, so how did we arrive at the point where Trinidad, who was considered a valuable piece of WWE's both present and future, is no longer a part of the company? Um, more than just a non-complying with the new company policy, Trinidad directly challenged WWE this earlier this month by opening an account on OnlyFans, a site that allows talents to directly interact with their fans. Trinidad's account features exclusive videos and photos of cosplays, lingerie, swimsuits, and more for a monthly subscription fee of $30. Um, McMahon considered this a breach of contract and responded by terminating Trinidad's contract. Sources say that she fell boxed in into a different situation by opening the OnlyFans account. As unpopular as this new policy is among talent, her dismissal serves as a sobering reminder that the new policy is going to be strictly enforced. Vega put a tweet saying, I support unionization. Um, so David wrote in the, in the Instagram why she so she made an OnlyFans page why she needs that she makes bank working on WWE this isn't the 80s where they didn't pay talent good no so I think what it is is that um because she wasn't getting used as much her salary was really low not to say that it was like super low but she said she made just as much uh if not more streaming than she did with her WWE check so I I get why she would do OnlyFans, but people, you have to realize that OnlyFans doesn't mean they're getting naked and popping, popping pussy for a real nigga. You know what I'm saying? Like, she, I think she only did cosplay and uh, like lingerie shoots and stuff like that. I don't think it was anything like, oh my God, she's a WWE wrestler, but she's getting, you know, naked on TV or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't anything like that. So, sh- um, shout out to Janelle from the Jabra Tears podcast. Yo. Um, she actually makes more money on OnlyFans. 
It was it was one of them. So one of them. she made more money on OnlyFans. So it's just like, and it goes back to what Wilkins was saying today, right? Where he was talking about unionization of the WWE wrestlers. Like, um, people talk about how they don't get more medical insurance, but at the same time, WWE will be paying for their rehabs. WWE will pay if you get injured on their watch. So, um, while you need the unionization, you're getting something that people who get hurt on normal jobs won't can't get sometimes. Who the fuck gets a workers' comp like that? You guys get all your medical bills paid for and then some just to sit at home. A lot of these people got paid to be like on leave at times. So is it really like you're complaining about one thing but they still provide you more? Or am I, you're giving me that look, so am I going the wrong way? No, I mean, I, I get what you're saying, but then you have to take into account that people don't want to just stay inside all day. While people, there's other people that are doing the same job they're doing, but they're performing every day. But they have me sitting at home every other week or every two weeks. You know what I'm saying? People are like, yo, what's what's the difference? Like, they, maybe I want to do the same thing that they're doing or whatever the case is. So... You know, I get it on that side too. Why everybody just felt like, yo, during this pandemic, a lot of, especially a lot of wrestlers saying, yo, this was a release. This was like tension relieving, and and I got to be myself outside of being a wrestler or whatever. Oh so it yeah, was like, did you? You know, to take that that element away from them, it was crazy. Um. Her leaving is not really a big deal, but her leaving is not really her leaving is not a big deal. She can do indies, but unionizing wrestling would give wrestlers a bigger voice. No, and that's very true. But at the same time, these wrestlers also do have a bigger voice. Um, but it, the indie, like, if we had our current wrestlers talking about this. And really going into the topic of unionizing wrestling, then that would be a great ordeal because you have the majors helping you if something happens. Not all the way, because you see like on shows like Total Bellas, uh, not Total Bellas, yeah, Total Bellas, where Nicole was talking about having to go to New York, I mean, not New York, LA, because she had the um, appointments for the doctor. For her pregnancy. Mm -hmm. But because her doctor is where her medical coverage is, um, that's the only reason why she had to go over there. So I, I, um, like, I understand the whole thing about a union. Um, but I also feel like in today's crisis, because the money is so strapped, I think that's kind of impossible, even with multi-million dollar companies. Because no, if it's impossible, I just think... Not impossible, but very but difficult. I don't even know if it's going to be difficult. I mean, yeah, at this point, it's that's probably never going to happen in WWE. So we could already get that out the way. I don't think it would. Maybe it would. You think Vince is going to be like, okay, yeah, let's do it. If this. it's not with Vince, it's going to be with Hunter. No. Not I think so. I really think so because you know why? Because you see the change that Hunter makes within the organization as a whole, as it is. Um, and when you see how yeah, but those are those are things that that would 
bring in profit. You don't have to put in. He's not going to put anything that's going to make him lose money. Yeah, but it, everything that he's done is done something good for the company in order to get them money. And I get that, right? But maybe when we look at what's best for business, right? Quote unquote. Maybe they're going to start looking into different ways that would help um, the situation. Because you've already seen within the last few months, look how many people got COVID, bro. They're going to have to eventually come up with ways that's going to be more safe, safer for these wrestlers, wrestlers to wrestle. So then those questions are going to have to be brought up because that's what Corona's doing everything, making you answer those hard questions. None of us would have thought any of this, in all honesty, had it not been for COVID-19. Correct. Okay. No one would have fucking talked about unionizing fucking wrestling. I mean, probably Correct. the wrestlers would have talked about unionizing wrestling down the line. But it wouldn't have been on the forefront right now. Correct. So let's call it a spade a spade. But what's worse? All of the talent dying or getting sick? And he loses money over that? Because those talents' lives are irreplaceable. That's also, if they all, if let's say, knock on wood, Seth Rollins or somebody passes out and, and gets sick, what's going to happen? Either a lawsuit, okay, get them fucking medical insurance. That will eventually become a thought. My only issue with everything that you said, and I agree with everything you said, but people get COVID for being careless. I'm, and I'm just gonna leave it there. It's not, it's not just spreading because it it just wants to spread. People are being careless. Oh no, people are being really careless. Right. So, the the COVID argument goes out the window when people are being careless. Yes, but I mean, just talking about more precautionary measures came because stupid people were doing stupid shit during COVID. Because the first what six months, we were perfectly fine being in our own goddamn houses. Right. I mean, not completely fine, but fine enough where we could get through this whole six months being in the fucking house. Right. Um. But I'm gonna. I mean, I feel bad for Lena Vega and everyone that's been. Shit, shipped. you think she feel bad? No, she I feel bad. No, 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 no. I feel bad to the point because, like, the third party thing, right? Where. Kofi and them can't do their like outside stuff. Like you can't go. Anything that WWE is not gonna profit off, they can't do. That's my point. And so, like, if there's a dope interview that we could possibly do with them, that sucks. Uh, if you have an actual contract with WWE, you can't really do stuff with anyone outside of that. So mm. that's taking your First Amendment right in a way. That's my opinion. Nah, it's not. But you have to realize that a person like Zelina Vega. Well, not with Zelina already, Vega. No, I'm just no, I'm just saying in general, like a person like her already understood the risk. That's why she went ahead and did the OnlyFans. So now that she did the OnlyFans, she knew that she took a risk in getting fired. She had nothing to lose. She didn't care. She was making more money doing that anyway. So a lot of people weigh their options. It's like, okay, yeah, I could be in WWE, or I can. Use WWE's popularity for me and make money doing this. And then they're going to fire me, so I'm going to get more traffic now because everybody's going to want to see what the fuck I'm doing now. And that's a great business move, right? 
But let's say there's people that actually just want to promote themselves and what they're doing within the WWE just in case. If they want to do it, they can do it. But they risk losing their job. That is my point. So what if I'm a WWE wrestler and I want to talk about the fact that we're doing all this shit in the Thunderdome, right? And this is a new technology and this is a new experience. Because you know for a fact that some of these mainstream entertainers and correspondents don't ask questions like that. Right. So so you're telling me, even though we're promoting, prom- I'm a wrestler and I'm promoting your product, so that means more revenue, I'm still going to get fired? You can still do it, but you got to take the risk in getting fired. That's what Vince said. So until that changes, there's really nothing you could do. So if if at, at this point you can complain about it as much as you want, but you're gonna take either gonna take the risk and say my options are better doing what I was doing than staying with the WWE or with any job. It doesn't necessarily be the WWE. It's like you weigh your options. Yo, I'll make more money doing this than I am doing what I'm currently doing. So what's more important to me? Staying somewhere where I'm not happy or doing something that I love doing. Some people, most people would choose the happiness because, of course, it's getting you more money or whatever. But the people who are loyal are going to stay where the fuck they're at. And that's what it is. It's like, what can you do? Yeah, it's fucked up that we lose out on entertainment and that they lose out on their outlet to be themselves outside of wrestling, which is, I'm sure, what they want. I'm never getting Trish Stratus now. I'm never getting Trish Stratus. Getting Trish Stratus what? Listen, man, I'm still waiting on her email. That's quiet. That's whole quiet. Well, yeah, now nah, that's you know that's, I you know I at this point I, I when I heard about it, I was like damn that's kind of fucked up, but then when I saw that she was making more money I was like oh she did it from she did a financial gain, that's cool you making more money you're happier. What the fuck? Why not? Let's get it. Well, either way, um, so we got one more song for. Song and a half for the night. Um, we're gonna play that last song, Venomous from uh, it's called Clap. We're gonna and then we're gonna get into a special tribute to um, the Daily Talks Cool Charles. So, without further ado, here's Clap. So shout out to everyone on the tune in right now. We got um, Corey Giles in the motherfucking building. Shout out to him. If you don't know who the fuck he is, he is the owner of um, Corner Radio on Station Head, where you can catch the Tri-State Top 10. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, but you can also catch him and Hala Rock on Dash Radio uh, for, cor- for Mornings on the Corner. Or you could also check them out on Corner Radio. Um, dope people, dope family, you know. It's definitely a vibe. Um, yo, you need to co-host the, the, the class with me one of these days. Mikey, that shit's lit. That's on Saturday. That shit's a dub. Yeah, I know, but it's worth a try. If I'm off of, if I'm off of Saturday, if I don't have the baby, definitely. If you don't have the boy? Yeah. But, you know, shout out to the boy, too. Um, So... I never really thought I would be having these type of conversations here. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in the last few days, and I've been talking about this because it didn't sit right with me at all. Um, now, I'm not by far a perfect person and never will be. And I might have had a few, I don't want to say altercations, but I did butt heads with a few people during my tenure at WVMR. And while I don't regret my actions in bettering myself afterwards, um, after the fallout, there's one thing I honestly completely do have remorse and regret for it, and that's not talking to um, Chanel Scott before her untimely passing. Um, her career and just her, her essence as a person was extremely one in a lifetime. Um, she knew how to control her crowd. She also knew how to control her show. And she always made sure that you were able to have a seat at her table no matter where, who the fuck you are and where you came from. And you could be the weirdest bitch or hoe in the, in the room and she'll still be <coughs> um, supporting you. Um, like I said, she was a, f she told me about her life, um, because I came to her job one, I came to her, to her show one day at the old station and it really, um, it was motivating because I'm a night show person. I've always, since I started my career in radio, I was always a night show person and it was different. You know, nighttime you could say whatever the fuck you want, do whatever you want, have a stripper in the fucking show, no one gave a fuck. Um, the FCC pretty much stopped checking you after like what five, like ten o'clock. Oh, bitch, we here at fucking almost midnight, right? So, um, to hear her, her words, and then we went for coffee after to Dunkin' Donuts. She was telling me about her career and how she worked with Wendy Williams. She told me about how she had all these plans for her career mind you someone at that time like 30 something years old and she was fighting an aggressive brain tumor um there she had a point where she was in remission and um you never understand the quality of life and i think we took a lot of it for granted over the last nine, ten months. Um, because we've seen people slip and pe it's become made, desensitizes you. And when you see here about somebody that just had that effect on people and learned that they're no longer here no more, it's, um, uh, it's really tragic. It takes a lot out of you. And uh, Mike is going to have something to say as well. But, yo, Charles, thank you for everything you did for the independent culture. Thank you for what you did for these artists. Um, you gave some of these people their breaks when no one else did. So 
um, you're gonna always be remembered, always be appreciated. You were part. You were the mother of the Monday family. You had our backs. Um, even when some of us didn't deserve it. But um, cancer sucks. Fuck cancer. So, um, Mikey. <clears throat> nah, I didn't. Um, I didn't know uh, Charles as well as y'all did. Um, but our few interactions were very memorable. For one, um, she gave me my first ever interview. Like the first interview I ever had as an artist. Um, her and uh, John Cole gave me that interview. So that will always be an interview I remember. I mean, there's videos of it floating around on on, on Facebook. Um, but like, it's something I always remember because it, I was so comfortable. She made it so easy to really just express myself as an artist for the first time ever doing it ever standing in front of the mic like how I am now on the other side of the table and just being able to tell them about my music and articulate and she asked all the the right questions without me having to worry about the where are you from why do you do music like she never gave those types of interviews and uh after that interview she had told me about her she said you know I do the morning show or whatever like that and and for I always tuned in. Anytime she went on Facebook Live, and like this is when Facebook first started having live, she was on it every morning at what was it nine o'clock, ten o'clock, ten o'clock, every morning, and I always tuned in. The Daily Show with your girl Kucha. Right, and she would, and she would always say, "When are you coming?" This is when I was living in Georgia at the time. When are you coming back so you can get on my show? When are you coming? And that that never happened. By the time I got. Back to New York, station was closed, and and she had started, actually was in the midst of starting her own station, um, where I guess she had certain songs playing on rotation, and one, my song was one of the first songs to ever be played in rotation. She didn't hesitate um, to just take whatever I had, because she just really fucked with me as a person, and fucked with the, the music, and 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 you know, had my had my joint just on rotation, had my joint confused on rotation. Like my Twitter mention would blow every time it would play. So it was like, yo, I, I'm so forever grateful for just the time that we did share, even though it was brief, you know, um, I thank God for you being in my life because I wouldn't be the artist that I am now uh, as far as doing interviews and knowing how to conduct an interview and things like that. if she wasn't so poised and and perfect with the one that she did for me so you know she will be missed and it's not you know out of the you know far-fetched to say that we're very very just broken-hearted at the suddenness of it all it's just like and I'm sorry if I'm emotional and I'm sorry if I look like I'm about to blubber and I'm trying not to. Um, because I did have my disagreements with her. But she's one of the, f f I don't want to say fires, but she had that f passion, that flame that if she was, if you stepping on something that's hers, best believe she was going to fucking take it from you. Like... She stood her ground no matter what, and she advocated for Tumor. 
um, for for brain tumor research and for she did the walks for the brain tumor for the brain like the cancers. Um, and throughout it all, she just stayed positive because she knew her life wasn't guaranteed. Right. And I it to think that I'm in my late twenties and I'm I'm I don't I'm not great. I personally don't think I've ever been grateful for my life until you see something like that happen. So I kind of just want to take um, a moment of silence for her um, to end our show. It's 12 o'clock now, too. So um, Okay, um, thank you to everyone that tuned in with us. Um, thank you to our guest, David Hopper. Uh, thank you, everyone on the check-in, David Bradley, Co- uh, Corey Giles, dinner at the round table, the evening experience, y'all are dope individuals. And once again, thank you for always tuning in and being with the movement. Um, Mikey, where can they find you? Yo, y'all know y'all can just find me at underscore heel classic on everywhere. So, um, once again, next week it's gonna be a very raw zone Thanksgiving. Oh God, I don't know how this is gonna go. I'm sorry, I'm in my WBFLS voice. Let me change that up. <laughs> I don't know how that's gonna go at all. I don't know either. Um, but that means there's food. So I don't mind that, right? Um, so you can follow us everywhere at Raw Zone NYC, R A W R R Zone NYC. Um, our podcast is taking a little break while we get the website up, but you could catch all of our episodes there on Spotify, Apple, and wherever you stream your stuff. Um, you catch Michael Bostic in my bed music video on Pornhub. Oh, it's on. It's on. Um, we're I'm, live on Pornhub. We're about to be. I, I started working on that. Oh yeah. Also, uh, before we end off, we're doing a um little project called Raw Zone Picks, where you guys can send in like your products or whatever. So if you're a guest, a former guest, and a guest that's coming, or if you just want to have a video or something to promote your product, holler at us. Send us a product in. Um, you know what I'm saying. We'll do a video testing or tasting or whatever the case is for whatever it is you do and we'll send you a video back you know what i'm saying so you know we're trying to support businesses any way that we can yeah because um like we were saying in our instagram live it's like this is the time now more than ever that we need to support ourselves our our fellow creators because it is the holidays too and some people want to buy shit for their kids or whatever the case may be and they can't because Businesses and picking up because, you know, the world wanted to fuck up. Right. But, um, like, just for an example, like, I, uh, Bell Cosmetics got a Black Friday sale st- 
starting, I believe, this week, but you could check the post on the Raw Zone NYC page. Um, right now, like, I actually use, have her eyeliner on, you know, that eyeliner is on fleek right now, plus her eye mask that make me look like I'm not a fucking 40-year-old white woman or some shit because I'm definitely in my 20s. But, um, and then we got masks, like, he had the Buck Madoff mask. Uh, for the 10 to 10, I got my FME equality and justice and freedom mask. So once again, like support your peoples. Um, we'll be back next week. Yo, let me plug my podcast real quick. So Yo, we so my podcast back. So so we're bringing back thoughts of a regular man. We bring back thoughts of a regular man. Um, I have two special guests on tomorrow. They're gonna talk about some real. Some real shit. So, uh, and then I, I got another podcast after that with me and my girlfriend Janelle called Adventure Time with Mikey and Janelle. And then some so, people thought this was a good idea to have me just come on the show. Yeah, you'll be on tomorrow. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting because we we're gonna actually really just talk about some real shit that a lot of people don't want to talk about. You know what I'm saying? But that's how I do on the podcast anyway. You it's know, like, like guess what? Guess what? I got bad news for you guys. Oh, Katie's gonna be on the podcast. Yeah, but that's only in response to your bad news. I'm not coming on Sunday. Like, what the fuck was that? Yo, I'm pretty sure. And listen, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all of you people listening. If you tell somebody, yo, I got bad news, right? But not in like a bad way. Like, I thought that was a normal you thing. Never, people hit up, no, like, yo, I got bad news. No, no, absolutely not. You literally should have just been like. Yo, guys, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it on Sunday. Like, you went into this whole thing, I got bad news. That's not bad news. My it's bad. unfortunate that you're not going to be able to make it. But I that mean, definitely that's bad. wasn't bad news. No. It's it bad for bad. somebody else. Bad for me. Not, right. So that's but, personal for you to for it to be, but it's not bad for everybody else. I don't know. I mean, what, you'd, you'd miss me. I'm not saying you'd be, like, heartbroken, but you'd miss me. So shit, I didn't think it was like a bad, bad way to. See, I didn't have no response to that, right? Listen, man, uh, whatever. I really didn't think it was that much of a bad way. Like I've maybe I'm literally. That's literally the wrong way. Maybe this is a white thing. Like that's the wrong way to tell anybody bad news. (laughs) Like even if you have bad news, you never start off. Yo, but the worst part was then you gave me bad news right after. I actually gave you bad news before. That's why it was weird when you said, I have bad news. And I was like, yo, what the fuck? Oh, my bad, yo. Maybe that's why you took it like that. No, I took it that way because I was just like, yo, that was not bad news. It was like an over-exaggeration of like. (laughs) My bad, yo. Either way, I'm hungry. It's time to go. Yo, y'all have a good night. Good night, guys. Oh, let's get into this. I'm so rude. Let me get into this last song. Oh, yeah, get into the song. I forgot the yo. I'm just so rude because you were just sitting there like. Oh nah, me about you you control all that shit. I don't do my that. bad, yo. Listen, man, Mikey, Mikey's like Mikey. I'm so sorry, but here is that that bipolar from T. V. 